Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live... F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. This show is called Did You Like That One Man? That's suggested by Michael Clays on Twitter with the help of Sergio Perez. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt to Rumpet. Good evening there, Matt. And good afternoon, Spanners, because we are here on the other side of the pond. And oh my goodness, do we ever have a few things to say to each other today. So, two, I only recognize one time zone, as well you know. And A, yes, we had an amazing race. But I don't know, Matt, we were spoiled by, you know, the race the week before. We had to make do with just one safety car and only about 10 interesting wheel-to-wheel battles. So, I don't know. I don't know, but for my money, that was a fantastic race. At one point, we had uh, about 10 laps in. We had the midfield, 10 cars separated by about 9, 10 seconds. And uh, that midfield scrap was fantastic. Yeah, it was. And I think this is going to be a theme going forward. If we get lucky, we will see some good battles at the front. But the action is going to be in the midfield between Racing Point, Renault and McLaren. And it's lovely because you just really never know what's going to happen until the very last corner gets turned. And that was literally the case. And we are still an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed. With the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. And we're also joined by two very fast, very racy guys. And I'm going to introduce them in their iRacing division ranking order. So first up, we've got Kyle, Edgy Power. How's it going, Kyle? How's it going, Spanners? Thanks for the intro. I'm a fan of that. Yeah, I mean, look, you must have been a fan of the racing as well. There was real wheel-to-wheel racing up and down the field. Oh, it's fantastic. It was a midfield heavy action race, which is the sort of races I like. The people seem to forget that there's an awesome race in the midfield, as Trumpet said, and we got treated to a cracker today. That was great. And we're also joined by our race analyst, Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? 
it's going well. I'm happy to be back after two full starts. I think the last two times I've tried to be on the show. So I'm very pleased to actually be sat here and get to talk about racing cars. I had no faith that you were going to appear on this show until just then, that second where you said something. But this track, particularly, Alex, is one that really does foster wheel-to-wheel racing. I will say up front, I'm not a fan of this track for other reasons, but the actual, the way it brings the cars together to fight is fantastic. Long straights. Slow corners, heavy braking zones, creates overtaking. What more could you ask for? Well, I could ask for knowing which corner we're at on TV. So there are kind of three very similar, here's a long straight, now stop, 90 degree right hand turn. And I don't generally know whether I'm at turn one, turn three, turn four. And then suddenly they they stop turning right. They start going left and you go, ah, they're at one of the left turns. Um, And then even like with the final two, they're very similar, kind of off the throttle, get back on turns on camera it can just be like i was watching it with my 10 year old i i think he struggled today to follow the action because i kept going no no it's okay it's like they've got one more of those type of straights left i'm gonna go with the fact that i've spent lots of time of it time on it on the old f1 game so i know the track pretty well and there's only eight corners and two of them are just kinks on a straight so they wow. don't really cast corners they cast them as corners for the for the moto gp but we don't talk about that here wow i mean turn two it wasn't a straight today but I would, uh, sorry, it wasn't a corner today, but I would argue that it was a, a corner yesterday. And yesterday was possibly the most awesome qualifying we've seen in a long, long time. It was just super exciting, Matt. And you, you could obviously say, well, it's because it was wet, but there was something special about it as well. But I suppose we could start by saying, you know, what is it about a wet qualifying that makes it so different and makes it so exciting? Well, if I'm going to be uncharacteristically brief, I would say that it's constant hot lapping, the wet surface reduces the car advantages, and it magnifies the driver's skill. But I wouldn't be me if I was being brief. So here comes my short Uh, seminar. Darn it. Carry on. A little bit of extra tire goodness that Brad... Uh, dropped on us so the traction limited surface is important the first in the first case because what it does is it limits the differences between the cars because they can't use all their available power and that's both their aero advantages and it's their uh, power advantages the advantages of their power unit and also it makes it interesting because the grip on the track isn't necessarily always in the same place as it is as it is on the dry. Sometimes the dry line is the slippiest line. So you've got cars that don't stick to the surface. They can't drive like they normally do, and they can't necessarily go around the track like they're used to. And this brings us to the crucial thing. Yeah. Tires. Right. And yeah. you knew I was going to say tires. Yeah. Because un- unlike the dry tires, where you maybe get, you don't even get a full lap out of them before they overheat. Uh, with the wet tires, the challenge is getting them up to temperature. So they fuel the cars for the full length of the session and they go out and just drive as fast as they can the whole time, unless they might not be getting through. And then they have a problem. Do I come in for fresh tires, give up some shots and crucially have to get those tires back up to temperature? Or do I roll with the tires that I'm on and hope that I can get fast enough? Because as they're going around the track, those tires are clearing 85 liters of water per minute for the full wets at 300 kilometers per hour, making the line drier and improving everyone's time every lap unless it rains again. starts raining harder. And then you're very sad you didn't get out first, (laughs) like everyone lined up to do every single session. So 
the thing is, we, we don't always think about the wet tires being like super wary. We think, oh, the wet tires, they kind of will last forever. But in those sessions, we were seeing drivers having to make the decision to to change. Now, in the commentary, they did make some comment about the hard edges going off. Now, uh, Brad Philpott has left us a, a very short voice note. He is a tyre testing specialist, and he has just uh, put together a short note to explain to us uh, why that is an issue. During wet qualifying runs, the drivers do many more laps than they would in a dry qualifying, where they'd maybe do one or two flying laps. And towards the end of a run, you'll have heard the commentators saying that the tyres were losing their sharp edges. And I just wanted to explain why that's a problem. Basically, all it means is that the edges of the tread blocks on those wet weather tyres are getting rounded off. And that then allows water to, to ingress underneath the tread blocks. Obviously, the water is supposed to go down the grooves of the tyre and allow the tread block to touch the track surface. But as you round off the edges, as you curve the edges of the tread blocks, as the tyre gets worn, it just allows more and more water to get underneath those tread blocks, lift the tyre off the floor, and therefore lose grip for the driver. Now, that's interesting, Matt. So instead of traditional wear, uh, what it is is that it's, it's no longer able to do its job of clearing water and getting the contact patches of the tyre down onto the surface. So, yeah, it's almost like they're only good while they while they're in their full uh, full nick uh, with the with the cornered edges, and as soon as that wears off, it's not a case of oh, it's run out now. It's just well, we can't get the tire onto the ground anymore. So it doesn't matter how much grip you've got left. Yeah, and that is complicated by the fact that the tires are very hard to get up to temperature. Now, I do need to mention that I said eighty five liters per minute. It's eighty five liters per second. Thank you, chat room, for pointing that out to me. Um, but getting them up to temperature and operating cor correctly is everything because the track temperature at qualifying was around 20C versus the almost 50 it was in, in practice the day before. So it is a real issue, and that's that's the balance of it. And um, it also comes down to driver skill, Jeansy. I mean, if we're in the dry in carts, you're obviously a much better carter than me. I can kind of hang on to a battle between you and cart. Kyle, so long as you're slowing each other down, I, I can be there or thereabouts. As soon as there's any moisture on the track, you guys disappear and start lapping me. It's a very, very different driving style. It's all about going and looking for the grip. And in the wet, the grip moves. And the whole reason you see them doing lots and lots of laps on the same tyre is because every single lap, the track is evolving and changing and moving. And the grip moves. It's like um, when you look at some of the quicker guys' quality laps, you actually see them going around deliberately driving to different parts of the circuit to um go and hunt for the grip um and that's the way that's where it's found it's all found in in the backside because that's where you feel it all yeah and it also really pays into the hands of more adventurous drivers as alex said going looking for the grip one of the defining factors of that qualifying session was um Verstappen was still going using the wide karting line around the fast flip-flop chicane before the last two corners whereas ha whereas hamilton was actually using the racing line, as Brundle pointed out on the commentary, but that that might move. So the first couple of laps, it might have been good to use the karting lines, they call it around the outside, but yeah. actually the track evolved. So it's the drivers with the ability to actually, yeah, be prepared to change their plan. It goes, right, I found that there's grip here, but then be prepared to change it on another lap. And it's how quickly you can adapt to those changing conditions. Go on, Vanjie. Stephen, as simple as looking at the circuit and seeing what colours of tarmac are different colours. The lighter the colour, generally the drier it is. Or when you've got 20 F1 cars going around a circuit, you get grooves 
in the circuit, which is left over by the tyres making their waves effectively. Um, and you aim for those because that's where the least amount of water is. However, with these wet tyres, they still need a certain amount of water to work. So if you're going down the straight, you try and put it in more water to keep them cool. Trumpets. And that brings us to brakes. Because part of keeping, part of the issue with driving the car that they're talking about is that you're going to be using your brakes very differently than you normally would in the dry. And this creates a problem because especially Formula One brakes are meant to be very, very hot. And if you don't get them hot enough, yeah, you start to suffer other issues. And that brake temperature is part of what helps keep the tires in the temperature range they're supposed to be in. Got it. Witchcraft. Let's talk about the drivers and the way they approached it because Alex Albon was on the, the radio on, uh, on Saturday uh, looking all at sea, pun intended, and saying things like, I'm just losing the back end. I can't get that back end. Whereas Max Verstappen, if you look at his Q3 qualifying lap that, that wasn't, I have got the, the new, a newfound respect for Max Verstappen and the way he drives. So we all saw him in Brazil when he suddenly sort of came out with this, this, these great karting lines and started making everyone look stupid and like, didn't, didn't he nearly lap Ricardo in the end? But watching him on this qualifying lap, you could see how much he was just fighting for every corner. And you could see on that, on that final lap, he lost it about three times and was still on course to only be half a second behind Lewis Hamilton. But you kept seeing the back end step out. You kept seeing, seeing him wrestle it, Kyle. And it, he was just sort of had, had one little gamble too many uh, trying to fo- follow Vettel's tracks that ended up uh, him spinning off. But until the end... That's got to be one of the most impressive laps we've we've ever seen in a qualifying. Yeah, and it just goes to show how amazing these drivers are and how mentally strong they are, where you have a big moment where the most of us would be pretty scared and, oh, that was a big moment. You're yeah. thinking about the moment and then make a mistake, where they just instantly put it out of their head. It was right, maybe learn from it, cash it in your built-in RAM in your head, then actually, um, and then just carry on pushing, even though you've had a massive moment. So that's what's really impressive about that lap. Yeah, it all comes down to confidence in the end. It's that whole case of, okay, the car's sideways, but I'm still going to plant the throttle because I trust in my ability and I trust in the tyres and I trust in the aerodynamics and I keep my foot planted and I'm still going to go in the direction I want to go. That's confidence. Um, If you... You know, you talked about karting before. One of the biggest the biggest things when you're karting in the wet on slick tyres is you come up to a corner, you're on turn, you're on lock, and yeah. you're going straight and you're going straight, but it is having the trust that you're going to get to that grippy part of the circuit that you know is there and it will just grab you and whip you around the corner. It's the same thing with these guys. Max is sideways, but he knows the grip is there. Until it wasn't, to be fair. Now, that was a fantastic lap, but I think if he'd have pulled that off, he's within about 0.6 seconds of of Lewis Hamilton. So I'm not sure a lot of the hype of Bowl around the Lewis Hamilton lap would have quite landed in the same way it has. But as it is, Kyle, 1.2 seconds, you're in a league of your own, you're in conditions that, uh, where you can't just point to the power unit necessarily. And uh, Verstappen was saying that the Honda was still a little bit down on the on the Mercedes. And I'm not taking away the fact that that Mercedes probably has a lot more or more downforce, probably more downforce than anyone. I don't know. I don't know how controversial mm. that is. So maybe best suited to the rain. Uh, but it was quite phenomenal. 1.2 seconds. That in the history books will look incredible. Yeah, that's huge. And doesn't really happen very often in modern day Formula One. Um, it was a... F- Absolutely phenomenal lap. And like you say, even if Vettel had 
uh, sorry, uh, Verstappen had finished his lap, he still would have been about 0.6 of a second down. So that's the driver making the difference there, negating extra power or downforce or whatever. That was a that was a quality lap from Lewis there. And I think right up there with his pole lap from Singapore in 2018, where he put together almost the perfect lap. That yeah. was, um, yeah, that was something special there. How much would you say that that kind of lap was worth, Kyle? 40, 40 million, maybe? 40 million, maybe, <laughs> Roman Grosjean? Maybe in a few Daily Mail rumours, yeah, yeah. What's the Daily Mail rumours that he's getting? Oh, he was being chastised, wasn't he, for demanding 40 million oh, a year. Right. And apparently it was nonsense. I don't know, some tabloid stuff. Yeah. But with um, with driver's salaries not being part of the, the budget cap, um, and, you know, and contrary to what people tend to say about, oh, it's, it's always the car. Yes, of course, the car is a huge part in Formula One. But But look at those teams. It's really hard to look across this weekend and say the driver doesn't make a difference. When you look at Bottas back and forth, now that wasn't a fluke, Alex. That was all all qualifying long. You saw Bottas couldn't live with Hamilton. You saw Albon couldn't live with uh, with Verstappen. And these are great drivers in their own right. But that's why you pay the big bucks for a Verstappen superstar and a Hamilton superstar. Yeah, totally. I mean, Bottas, to be fair, was a lot closer through the majority of qualifying than where he ended up. I mean, what was it, 1.6 or something crazy at the end of it? And I think Bottas had a slight complaint about glazed brakes, but um, other than that, he wouldn't have beaten Lewis, but I think he could have been closer. But uh, yeah, I do I do love watching these drivers because you do see different things. I mean, saw a special performance from Lance Stroll. And Ocon, I, I, I hasten to add, yeah, okay. So it wasn't a great qualifying for uh, Sergio Perez or uh, or the Racing Point team. Now, I, I wonder if, even though, and we're, we're going to talk at the end of the show about the, the Renault protest, don't worry. But I, I suspect, even though Racing Point have taken a lot of inspiration from last year's Mercedes, you could still imagine a scenario, Matt, where they're running relatively less downforce, and they're getting a lot of their advantage, much like Williams in 2014, by just having a power unit that I think this year is probably going to be head and shoulders above everybody else. So we've got the Ferrari power unit threat has kind of dwindled away. Mercedes are probably in their own league in a way they haven't been since 2014. Now, I'm happy to be corrected on that. But in 2014, you had Williams pop up and basically being able to do a series of rocket launches. Racing Point could have a smaller effect like that and then when it comes to wet weather you could see they were nowhere that car was not set up for wet weather driving no it wasn't at all and my guess is that it's related to the tire temperatures we were talking about earlier especially with Perez being so light and kind on his tires and that is absolutely his forte as a driver not that he's he's no slouch at passing don't get me wrong but it's always been a thing he's been able to extend tire life it's really hard to get the temperatures in it. And we saw the racing points surprisingly down. And we saw the Williams up. We saw Russell doing well in this qualifying. So it's not the power unit. It's going to be the driver, going to be the setup. Yeah, and it kind of highlights as well that Force India are still, sorry, Racing Point are still trying to... are still trying to figure out their car, which I think, um, you know, they have copied Mercedes. They have done it themselves. Citation needed. Okay. They... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they don't actually need um they don't actually have any of the Mercedes information they don't know how to set the car up so in the wet they just couldn't energize the tires i don't think they have much of an idea of how to set the car up it's a concept very far departed from what they're used to running so it's all learning for them and even even though they were saying you know 
it was Giovinazzi's crash in Q3 that stopped Perez getting that final run in. As we, the drivers were trading times all the way out through the session, Perez never left that bottom zone. So I, I don't quite buy that he was completely robbed. I think they just couldn't get it together and perhaps it didn't suit his driving style. They're not set up for the wet. And it looked, you know, it looked like Lance just did a better job than Perez throughout the whole of that session. And the um, the racing points just weren't up to the task on Saturday. Of course, very different, ta- uh, very different on the Sunday. Alex? See, it's weird because being smooth in the rain is quite important because you need to be really precise with what you do. If you're just lobbing it at corners, you're going to understeer and go off the circuit. So I was thinking Perez should do well in the rain because of that. But however, you've got the added difficulty of energizing the tires and being smooth and energizing the tires tires don't go hand in hand but the other thing i think is very prevalent is i think that racing point is probably the third best car out there however i think mclaren have the far better and i mean by a country mile better driver lineup and i think that is what is putting putting the um mclaren so um it's so close and sometimes and ahead of the uh, of the facing point, and uh, this will be Alex Van Jean's final appearance on Missed Apex podcast. How dare you, trumpets! Uh, the chat room is in with Perez. Said that now they've learned a lesson, and next time it will not right. be such a dire thing for them. The rain. So let's hope Good. for more rain in qualifying, <laughs> shall we? Oh man, there's a big anti-Perez, anti-racing point sentiment here. I think I might be the lone gun when we start talking about the the Renault protest. But we're not there yet. Uh, We've got to the end of qualifying and we're going to the grid with uh, Leclerc, a three place grid penalty for impeding, I think. And then Norris just for that, that complete brain fade of overtaking under the yellow flags. And uh, all of that resulted in, sorry, was it a five place grid penalty? Uh, That was Giovinazzi with a five place grid penalty. And Grosjean for breaking park for me, because you know me, I, I have this thing about completeness. So there was four grid penalties before the start of the race. Yep. All of that resulted in George Russell uh, ending up starting the race in 11th place, which uh, we wouldn't have seen coming as well. So some absolutely outstanding performances in the rain. The the one thing we were robbed was seeing the Ferrari upgrade performance in qualifying. So they didn't look like they'd made a real leap in the practice sessions. But there's always that chance that this could be the one race where they were sandbagging. Probably not. Um, but they were woeful in the rain as well. So that sets us up for the very first Styrian Grand Prix race review. Okay, so we're going to change things up just a little bit, Matt. Instead of starting off with where the race was won and lost, if there is a box office event like the Albon-Hamilton collision, which we inconclusively, we couldn't decide whose fault it was, could have been either of those people's fault. That might actually have been the first ever missed apex recognised racing incident. I don't know. I can't remember. It was a whole. It was a whole week ago. But this week, it's got to be the clashing of the two Ferraris. You could not have scripted uh, a worse start to the season, I think, uh, for Ferrari than to be so far off the pace and then have two drivers go and collect each other like that. So I know people are going to assume that I am going to be happy about this because I have been generally not a Ferrari fan. And yes, I will admit it. I do want to see Ferrari beaten from a sporting point of view. You know, they are they are the big bad 
they're Manchester United, they are Inter Milan, they are Barcelona. And all of my F1 life, uh, every time I've supported someone, there's been a Ferrari driver there to ruin it or fight them all the way. Schumacher, Prost, uh, Massa, uh, Kimi Raikkonen, Alonso, Vettel. They've, they've had the biggest fan base. They've been supremely fast. They've been good. They've had all the money. So, yes, from a sporting point of view, I do want to see Ferrari beaten. But not like this, Kyle. Not like this. Not in this fashion. It's been undescribably bad. Yeah, it's awful. I feel sorry for Vettel, you know, his last year with Ferrari, and it's all going wrong. He's got the press on his back, and then his young Charger teammate completely goes full PlayStation and takes him out. Full on, PlayStation? On a, it was, if you see him going into the uh, hairpin, he had a chance to let the brake, you know, to stay on the brakes. That's what you do. You cover the brakes, and you're and you're and you're modulating the brakes and gauging your speed to the car in front. And he has this gap. He sees it. They're already three wide. And he's like, no, I'm in a PlayStation lobby. I'm just going to let the brake off, send it in. There was only one outcome of that. And that was taking out your teammate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What I imagine Bernardo saying, look, we want to lower the expectations at the start of the season, given our position. I don't think he meant this. No. This is just going too far. Well, there, there might be that outside thing. Like if you're Bernardo and you're thinking about your job, and I'm not, I'm not for a minute, you know, really saying that he's that much of an "oh, I'm all right, Jack" kind of character. But if your job is under pressure, the drivers looked really bad today, Alex. Not the car, as it happened. So the, the drivers kind of sp- spared Ferrari's blushes because they were starting. Uh, what was it in the end? Um, ninth and tenth, and I think it was only going to get worse than that. No, Leclerc was starting even further back. It was only going to get worse from there by all the ca- by all kind of gauging from the weekend i didn't laugh i, I probably oh, didn't laugh um but the, what i did find funny was um the commentators instantly assumed the contact was caused by vettel that i found funny i want to see I, I don't want to see that i don't want to see the ferraris crash into each other at the back of the grid i want to see them crash into each other at the front of the grid um but um it is disappointing they should be in that fight um but I'll I'll take a bit of comedy from the from the, from the boys from Italy. Okay, so everyone's coming down on on the side of it being Leclerc's fault. I don't think we can find much wrong with what Vettel did, but I'm, I'm going to try and get into the, the, that sort of mindset at the beginning of a race. Now, of course, F1 is is very different to karting, Kyle, but in karting and in sim racing, that that jostling for position is hazardous. So in sim racing, you're going to lose a, a wing, and that ruins your race. In karting, you're going to get pinged off, go back down the field, end up in a barrier. So you you still, in at your level of racing, need to avoid those first corner incidents. But they are so frantic and so crowded. Uh, give me an impression of kind of, you know, your approach to being bunched up in a pack of five and, you know, and the things that can bite you. Okay, well, for instance, going into a hairpin like that, four wide on, on the first lap, I would break earlier... I think everyone will do this. I will break earlier than normal. And then I can almost come up, come off the break to modulate my speed against the car in front. So I can always keep that gap. And that's exactly what the clerk sort of didn't do, but you're always slightly cautious, especially for the first couple of braking zones, break a little bit early and then use the break to control, control your speed rather than going in completely on the limit. And you're always aware Karting's a bit different because yeah. you're pushing and barging around, but sim racing, particularly, you know, when you've got damage on, I'm super cautious on the first laps. It's just survive first few corners, first laps, get a bit of space, then start going hard. You you don't do it. And particularly in the clerk's case, they've got these 
they've got these upgrades which they haven't managed to sort of quantify verify yeah. where, like where, whether they're, they're that good or not um it's cardinal sin it's just he even said himself on friday we have to look after these upgrades yeah and what does he do on the first lap it, it was a very very silly move but fair play to him he's owned his mistake and he's come straight out and blamed himself so fair play there so there's one defense coming from the chat room, which is Robert Sims. Hello, live chat room. You can follow us along while we're recording this live, normally at 8 p.m. UK time. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm looking at Robert, uh, Brendan, Tom, Little Big Cat, Sven, Wesley, Bruce, and many, many more joining us live today. Um, Rob offers the, 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 the reasoning that in F1, you do win or lose the race in the first lap, Alex. So he's looking at either being stuck behind Perez or potentially getting up the inside being past Vettel and Perez that is two completely different races can we be a little less harsh on him than he's being to himself and go well you're an F1 driver you're paid to take those chances and make up as much as you can no because it was a silly move <laughs> no going for <laughs> going for a gap that wasn't actually ever there they were there were cars taking a corner and he imagined a gap um, and it's not even like Sebastian could avoid him because Carl, he had three cars on the outside of him. Um, and it's not like Ferrari are super fast at the moment and they can, and they need to make up loads of um, places on the first lap because at the moment they're not quick enough to do that. So they are, for all intents and purposes, a midfield team at the moment. So they have to kind of accept that. Yeah, Ladbrokes needs to update its uh, betting, Matt. It was quite hard to get a bet on today because... Everything was based around the result without the big six. I'm like, well, well, what do you mean? Which big six are they? I'm assuming the big six you mean actually are Hamilton, Verstappen, and uh, I guess then, you know, with the drivers making such a difference, uh, we'll take Perez. It's very unclear who this big six are right now. It is a bit unusual for us to be in this situation. It's more like there's a big three, a fourth, and then it's pickup sticks afterwards. But I will say that you cannot overstate the damage done to Ferrari's effort by not being able to collect 71 laps of back-to-back data on two different fundamental aerodynamic setups. And it, it, if, if they hadn't brought the new stuff in, this would have been way less of a deal. This would have been a momentary brain fade. It happens yeah. to everybody. But as is, it was just, it should never have been on. And, they, and he really... Ah, and I feel bad. He's human. People make mistakes. And, and at that speed, it's an easy one to make. But boy, is it entirely his fault. Kyle. Oh, oh yeah. And the ramifications that this could have, as you say, is, is going to affect them by weeks because the data they could have acquired today, they'll send that straight back to the factory. And they're still working on bringing the rest of their upgrade package to the car. So that will obviously have a knock on. They're probably holding some parts thinking we won't finalize the design until we see the data that we get from the race and it can knock on. So it's a, it's a completely vicious circle, a compounding error. So this could have ramifications like, you know, going on for a week or even a month down the line. I bet there was a lot of sunken hearts in that Ferrari factory when they saw that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should completely like spare a thought for the people who've been working so hard on those upgrades. And, and let's be clear here. We're not talking about, you know, a little, a little nudge that turned Vettel around. It wasn't. Leclerc went up on the curb and pretty much mounted Vettel. Like this was a big, big crash. And if you're Leclerc and you're the kind of guy who's very hard on yourself and you see that you've mounted a curb, you've hit your teammate, there will be a moment where you go, maybe it's okay. Maybe. Maybe everything's fine. Then the next thing you see in the driver view is Vettel in front of you, 
with the rear wing hanging like completely off. And I think the floor coming off as well. And I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the last time I saw a successful F1 rear wing change. It's been a little, it's been a little while. I'm not sure they are set up to be changed anymore, Alex. Last time was when Lewis was at McLaren at Monaco. He got smashed in the rear um, that led to a that led to a safety car, and they repaired a led to a red, a red flag, and they repaired his rear mm. wing on the grid. Yeah, red um, flag. But, no, for, but, for, but for Leclerc, right? Um, as a driver who has just been told basically that Ferrari's number one, been given a five-year contract, and he's just made this massive mistake. But also this year, last year. How many mistakes has this kid made? Really big, crucial, race-ruining errors that actually deems him a number one spot to not have a veteran like Sebastian Vettel on his side. Yeah, there was something to add to that for his desperation on the first lap here as he was actually starting on the softs, whereas Vettel was starting on the mediums. So he saw that slight gap and he had it in his head that he's like, I must get ahead. Of Vettel and he's trying to stamp his authority all over this team, but he's obviously pushed himself back a few weeks in that. But he stamped his authority on the team. He got a five-year deal and his <laughs> kick set out the team. Yeah. If you if that, what's more authority yeah. stamping than that? And look, he's he's a young lad still, and everything must feel very do or die. And I know he's got a five-year contract, but when you have you know these kind of moonshot opportunities like being the lead driver at Ferrari, there's a almost like an imposter syndrome where you go, well, why me? Why has this happened to me? It's going to get taken away from me at, at any moment. It's going to, someone's going to find out that I was never really that good and they're going to come and bring someone brilliant in like Alonso. And I, I, I wonder with the amount he beats himself up, whether he has that kind of imposter syndrome. Because as soon as anything goes wrong, he is really open and vocal. He wears his heart on his sleeve, which I admire says it's my fault and really beats himself up and uh, berates himself. It's admirable on the one hand. Uh, it's also a little bit non-F1 drivery. So you wonder how that does kind of affect his stock price. Uh, a lot of drivers would, would sit there and go, well, no, he must have uh, turned into me. Well, he must have braked early. He caused an incident that slowed the pack down. And enough people will buy that that it doesn't affect your stock. Leclerc, Alex, uh, sorry, Leclerc, uh, very... Very open, very honest. I agree with it to some extent, because as you and I have discussed many times in sim racing, even if someone takes you out, whatever the incident is, if you're involved in it, it is always somewhat your fault. And recognising what part you played in an incident is is a strength that Leclerc has. There was a guy I used to cart with, and every single time he was on track, he was involved in some sort of incident of somebody punting him off. Van Jean, um, huh? Sorry, I have I had a cough. Oh, sorry. Of someone punting him off. Okay. And the thing was with that was he. It was always him. He was always the one involved. And it's that case of there is also a way of having perception of seeing what's going on to to avoid the things coming. But the point I actually wanted to make was about Leclerc being young. I'm starting to get really bored of this, oh, he's young, let's let him off with any of the young drivers. Leclerc's 22. He's been in high-level motorsport, high-level single-seaters for six years, has been winning in every single championship he's he's ever done. He's a very, very experienced racing driver at a high level. And yeah. what he did today 
isn't acceptable and actually isn't acceptable from anyone on the Formula One grid. And if anyone did it, yeah. I'd be really hard on them. I mean, I don't think Kyle was being too harsh at all. PlayStation lobby. I think that, that summed it up perfectly. And, and you're right, Alex, because these guys, really, they've been karting since they were, what, a, a, a minimum eight years old. So Leclerc is sitting there with 14 years racing experience. But, you know, what? it's pressure. It's um, having to lead uh, the the Scuderia Ferrari team, a lot of pressure on his shoulders and he'll either sink or swim, but this is it. And it's not going to get any easier next year. Cause you know, Carlos Sainz is pretty good too. As you say, he's a team leader now. Mm. You know, Seb's not the team leader there. Seb, Seb doesn't really, Seb's working off his notice. Yeah. You know, he's the, he's the team leader there and team leaders can't make those kind of errors. He could do these things last year, just about get away with them. But you know, I like Leclerc and I think he's a really, really quality driver. But um, not acceptable today. Let's go over to Matt Trumpets and find out where the race was won and lost. Yeah, go on then, tell us. Well, since we no longer have to consider Ferrari in this segment. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they are completely gone immediately. It was all... (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. It was all down to Red Bull in the form of Max Verstappen and uh, Hamilton and uh, Botas, who did a reasonable job of getting himself up to the up to the uh, front runner. And um, it all came down to lap 25 when uh, Valtteri caught up to Max. Yes. Just enough to make a very nervous Red Bull pit wall go, oh, my gosh, quick, 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 quick. Pit Max, put him on the mediums, and yeah, and and then they stayed out. So I yeah. wondered at the time whether that was going to be a Mercedes bluff, and I, I suspect it was somewhat because uh, the teams will be looking out for uh, drivers looking for the undercut or the overcut, and they'll be looking for them to to push and go right. If we're pitting now, use up all your tire life, hammer time. You know that's normally what it is. Use up all your time life. Let's get the gap. Uh, or, or close the gap or extend the gap as much as we can, come into the pits, and hopefully we've taken them by surprise with a change of pace and we can, uh, you know, overtake them or stop ourselves from being undercut. So with Red Bull hearing the call of uh, we, you both need to push, why else would both drivers need to push unless they were coming into the pits? And Red Bull do tend to err on pit early, go for the undercut. Pit early, force the hand of the other teams. But I, I really suspect, Matt, that you're right. I think in this case, Mercedes were basically two on one and I think they just uh, got the better of them. Yeah, it, they, it was always going to be a loser's choice for Red Bull. Whatever they chose, Mercedes had two drivers to respond with and that's what they did. You know, it was crickets next time round. Hey, Lewis, how are the tires? Oh man, my tires are great. I love these tires. I could go forever on these tires. And meanwhile, Max is on the radio. Um, guys, guys, did did we think about the fact that Botas behind me could go forever in a day on these tires at this pace? Yeah. And we'll no doubt. And that, I think, that tells you where Red Bull's head was at the start of the race. They responded to Botas getting into undercut range. They weren't ever looking at Hamilton for the race win. This was always a race for second position, in my opinion. No, yeah, I, I agree with you there. That was they were looking at the undercut and trying to protect themselves from that. But had they had they not gone in, I mean, there wasn't radio calls of Max Verstappen complaining about needing to get onto fresh boots. 
And in the end, it was Kyle Verstappen, you know, being vulnerable to fresher tyres from Bottas. Um, and even though he defended absolutely fantastically and gave us great entertainment, you know, Bottas just was on fresher boots. Yeah, I think Red Bull were also, um, I think they'd half a mind on Hamilton. They tried to pull the pin. They had to do something. They were stuck there. They were do, damned if they do, damned if they didn't. So, yeah, they had a nice bonus of covering off Bottas to no avail as it worked out in the end. But on the Max Verstappen and um, Bottas battling there, I don't think any other drivers on the grid on knackered tyres would throw it around the outside and hang on there to retake that pass. That is a, that is a 100% Max Verstappen thing. It was great. And that's with a pretty damaged front wing from the curbs as well. I do need yeah. to point out that may have played a part in it. Yeah, no, and this is it. I don't want to be as pessimistic as some people because I saw a comment on Twitter. Apologies, I don't know who it was um, in, in, in my replies that said, oh, well, this is a, a bad state for F1 to be in. That Bottas, who we are assuming is a lesser driver than Verstappen, that's not really controversial, I don't think, at this point based on what we've seen. People were saying we shouldn't see Verstappen having to just hang on and claw to a lesser driver, and that shows the disparity in the cars. And I, But I don't think it's as much as all of that, because when you take into account that Bottas had fresher tyres and Verstappen had uh, not just front-wing damage, apparently he, he may have also had some rear-wing damage. I don't know where he got that from. It sort of looks a bit more even. Yes, Verstappen um, was behind Hamilton, but there was a chance in this race for them to get second place, Matt. Yeah, there was. Um, although freakishly, this brings us back to Ferrari in that their safety car neutralizing the very, very start of the race might well have taken Verstappen's best opportunity to to battle with Hamilton, to get in front of him, to slow him <sighs> down, and for somebody, Albon, anybody, to properly tangle with Botas and make his life miserable Yep. absolutely got erased by that safety car. So, oh, I uh, and know. I think the damage you're speaking of was a Botas damage, but uh, he oh, had a little too. Oh, okay. Well, everybody has just yelled curbs at me in the uh, in the chat room, so I'm going to assume it's curbs. Uh, I don't know, Kyle. I, I don't think Hamilton was in danger before the safety car. I, I think he was he was well on his way. Yeah, he seemed to have a nice gap. It was quite comfortable and quite less so after the safety car restart. He didn't get a very good jump. Uh, Verstappen was right on him going into the final two corners, but then you could just see the aero wash. Verstappen was um, was fairly cautious for Verstappen and then Lewis absolutely pinned it. But um, yeah, where was Albon's pace? Red Bull just left the one driver like, where was it? I really want him to do well. I really like him, especially after last week. But again, last yeah. week, he wasn't really in the race until that final safety car period. It's, 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 it's a shame, but that really hamstrung Red Bull. Okay, Matt, let's look at some stats here. By the time Perez caught Albon, he was 35 seconds off of the, off of the lead, I think. And that's, that's a long, long way to be back without any damage. No real reason to explain it. And as Kyle points out, Yes, he looked he looked immense on the fresh tires last week. However, he was nowhere before it. So I think we're looking at a situation here where he's a long, long way back from Verstappen, like like a worryingly long way back. Uh, yeah, that was actually the third main. That was the third main thing. His lack of pace effectively ties one of Red Bull's hands behind its back when it comes to strategy. And this was a part of my race review: is that. They have no more drivers to throw against this wall and to see if they stick. They are going to have to sort out why only Max Verstappen can drive this car fast because they've been through three drivers now who've not been able to. 
yeah, your race review that's not available on our website. Got it. Van Jean. Yeah, the um the thing that drives me nuts is is Danny Rick was never this far away from away from Max. So there is a big, big gap between what they've lost in Daniel Ricardo to what they've brought in with Alex Albon. And yeah, as Matt was saying, it massively Max was out there fighting two Mercedes on his own. He couldn't he didn't have any backup yeah. of an Albon who was really close enough behind to go and pit, stick some sauce on, stick some quality modes on, and really, really worry Bottas, which then again led led to that. But um the the damage to Max's car um was actually more of a factor than Max's tires because yeah. the rate the pace that they were doing, it wouldn't have been to the last lap that Bottas was actually going to catch Max, but because of the damage to the front wing, um that's what brought Bottas to him. And it's just simple stuff. If we're talking nuts and bolts, the fact that by time Hamilton hit his pit window, it was a free pit stop for him. Albon was miles away. Albon wasn't, it wasn't there to slow him down for a lap or two to help max out. It's a ton of these things. It's the safety car window. It's everything. Once the gap gets that big, and it was essentially a midfield gap, then both Mercedes have free choice and neither of them suffered any consequence uh, when when they went for their pit stops. I'm not sure what it is. Is this is this highlighting that the Red Bull is a very difficult car to master? So Gasly's struggled massively. Albon is somewhat struggling as well. Or is this just putting into light what an amazing driver Max Verstappen is? I think it's a mixture of the two. Yeah. But, it, it but I think we're discrediting Max a little bit because that car does look a bit tricky to drive and his absolutely wringing his neck. So I've learned a little bit about setups from our sim racing league. So initially with our uh, Missed Apex series, which we'll be launching towards the end of July, we had a fixed setup. And the setups that Alex wanted are very kind of tail happy and aggressive because Alex Van Jean drives as if he's had his house stolen and he just wants to wreak vengeance. He drives his car like he has a very special set of skills. Right, that's how you drive it. And you were like, this is the brilliant setup spanners. Use this one. And I would get in it. And me and Matt would just be spinning around and around in circles and go, no, that's terrible. So we get, uh, we end up going for, you know, a much softer setup for, for me and for Matt and for the guys who, who can't quite handle a very stiff, snappy car. So if Max Verstappen really likes uh, an aggressive car that other drivers can't get into, then that, that is going to be an issue for anyone who steps into that seat. For example, I don't think either of us here, either of us four, can drive the aero setups that Bradley Philpot uses on iRacing because he basically dismantles the wing and leaves it on a shelf somewhere and then drives it like it's a Formula Ford. So I think you might have a very good point, Alex. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, Verstappen just doesn't mind losing the rear end a little bit, whereas Alex Albon likes to be smooth, likes to have a soft rear, don't we all? Likes to have a soft rear and a little bit of understeer so he can keep it steady. If you suddenly put a driver like that into a very fighty Van Jean-style setup, uh, yeah, it's going to come across unfair. And we know Red Bull are happy to favour one driver over another. So if they set up a car that that drives better with a a softer front end, then what chance does does Albon have? Because he didn't look terrible uh, at Toro Rosso. Oh, it's definitely a case of, Max, how do you want the car? Oh, you want it like this? You want it like this? Oh, perfect. Is it perfect for you? Yes, it's perfect for me. Here you go, Alvin. And that's what it is. And, and that's the way it was going to be. That's why Danny Rick left, because he saw that coming, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame, because 
you've got Mercedes who do let their car be a balance for the two drivers. So you've got two drivers fighting close together. They can run team orders if they need to. But Red Bull and Ferrari don't seem to allow that to happen. Matt, are you impressed with uh, my reciting of my very recently learned knowledge of suspension setup? I am indeed. And in fact, you have inadvertently <laughs> put your finger on a potential problem, which is, as much as we're saying the car is a Max car, this car is an Adrian Newey car. And Adrian had a look at it and said, you know, if we run a super fancy front suspension with trick steering angles and tire temps and aero balance, we can make it even better. And it may just be that there is a limit to what they can do to fix the pointiness of this car. And Max is uh, dealing with it better. And he may be one of maybe two or three people on the entire grid who could actually bring a decent lap time out of that car. That, by the way, comes from Summers, who Matthew pointed Summerfield. out to me that they did revise yeah. all that attesting. Matthew Summerfield of motorsport.com. Chat to Summers still. I know, you, I know you guys miss him. We're still in negotiations. We're still begging him. He, uh, he is now working for motorsport.com, and apparently I have to go and pay homage to, uh, to the motorsport.com headquarters, which is atop a high mountain, and uh, I have to climb for 14 days to beg for someone to come and do a, a tech time with us. Uh, right, so I think, though, with Red Bull, because we're still on Red Bull, the battle of the day was Mercedes versus Red Bull, and I've got a feeling the battle of the championship, if between any two teams at all, is going to be between Mercedes and Red Bull. The headline that we're missing, I think, from the from what we've seen over the last two races is Red Bull are closer to Mercedes. They have made progress. They have made a step forward. They've turned up with a very good car from the beginning, and we know they develop well. So they have turned up with the third best car and quite a way off of Mercedes in the last <laughs> seasons. Whereas now, generally, I would say on out-and-out -out pace, they're about four or five tenths off with a great driver who knows how to race wheel to wheel in a competition that is, you know, is, is uh, going to be anyone's guess as to how many races we've got and how many tracks we've got. So I, I just think that it's not as pessimistic as some people are declaring when they're saying the gap is, is insurmountable to Mercedes, Kyle. I think Red Bull have turned up with a really good package and they develop as well as anyone in the sport ever has. Yeah, and I also think Honda have delivered a pretty good engine as well, pretty solid, and they still have some developments in the pipeline, I believe, as well. So what's really going to be the uh, the proof in the pudding will be this weekend coming, next weekend, uh, Hungara Ring, which, again, traditional chassis, downforce yeah. track, and Max got his first pole out last year. Let's yeah. see what the gap is then, because the gap, this was always a good Red Bull track. So let's just see what the gap is. But I, I'm with you. I think they are very close to Mercedes. Our friend Othnell in the chat room says four to five tenths off isn't close. No, I get that, but I think it's closer than they were last year. And I think race pace is a different story, Matt. I know you track the Friday times and the race pace a bit more closely. And I just get a feeling that Red Bull are a bit more competitive in race trim. And, you know, all things being equal, yes, maybe Mercedes do have an edge, but that doesn't mean Red Bull can't fight them. And I think that, that Carl's right. This isn't a track particularly that, uh, that will that will equalize the power advantage. I know people are saying, you know, you do need downforce because there are a lot of high-speed corners. However, I think power is very important here. And um, I'm happy to have that argument with anyone that says this isn't a power circuit. I think power is very important at the Austrian and, in fact, at the Styrian Grand Prix as well, both those opening venues. In Hungary, it might be less the case, and, and we might start to see Red Bull really come and challenge on race pace. 
Yeah, we might. Uh, I know in the post-race chat, I heard Verstappen say that in particular, the high-speed corners, they were at a very, is a biggest disadvantage to Mercedes. So tracks that feature more medium and slow-speed corners might bring them more into the mix. But if you look at how Verstappen drives, you can never really rule him out. And let's remind ourselves that traditionally, Hungary is a very, very hot track with extreme demands on both cooling and brakes and power units. And that could be a weak point for Mercedes. It has been in the past. Definitely has been. And I mean, today, when they were talking about cooler temperatures before the start of the race, I, I, as yes, I'm a Hamilton fan, I declare it, it's fine. Uh, I went, oh, that's good. That's going to suit Mercedes. And, and so it turned out to be because Mercedes looked really untroubled. And as Clappers points out in the live chat, we don't actually know the Mercedes race pace. And that's a fair comment from Clappers. We know the race pace with Bottas, but Hamilton got five seconds ahead and stayed there. Goodness knows what he could have done if he was in Schumacher mode. I don't, I don't see Schumacher, if he was here on the grid now, he wouldn't have held a five-second gap. He'd have done a 50-second gap just to break everyone, everyone's hearts. Verstappen, Alex, not Verstappen, Vettel, Alex would have sat it at 20 seconds. Uh, Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes seem to like five seconds. Well, based on last week's events, what is the point in building a big gap? None. All you do is knackier tyres, knackier engine, they pull a safety car and you're all back to zero again. So keep yourself out the pit window, keep yourself from being undercut and stay where it is. The only thing he was under threat from was when Max pitted, then Lewis pitted and Bottas stayed out longer was if there was a safety car, Bottas wins that race or at least then has to have to fight Lewis. But if you're Mercedes, you get that option. You can have one car come in and you can have another stay out for that safety car window. And of course, Red Bull can't do that. And that's that shows that Bottas has has value. Bottas has value, yeah, exactly. Because in that sense, Albon doesn't have the value that Bottas has because he can't give Red Bull that, that option. So whilst we uh, we are with the top four, and perhaps to round off the top four, uh, a trigger warning, I'm about to say nice things about Lewis Hamilton. Spannersready at gmail.com. Or you can take a break from sending me abuse. You can abuse Matt too. Uh, mattpt55 at gmail.com. And I have to say, I love getting your emails. Since the start of the season, we have had a massive, massive influx of communications. I just want to say, if you're listening and you haven't had a response from me, I've read every single email, but I am very much a two-fingered typist and I have to set aside time to reply to everyone. I just got a little bit swamped last week, but please do keep emailing us. Spannersready at gmail.com. The, the thing I wanted to end the top four on is by saying that we have seen over these two races, even though Bottas is ahead, I think, Matt, even you can agree here, the race trim difference between Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton is huge. Like, we really are looking at Lewis Hamilton being able to chew away any advantage Bottas has, and then it's only a case of if he can get past. Yeah, and this is what we expect, which is why the initial result was uh, of last week's race seemed to be a bit of a surprise because he both has seemed to be on it a little bit more. And yet it was Lewis that stayed at the track, did the work with his engineers, and despite having a difficult Friday, showed up on Saturday and just, as we talked earlier in qualifying, just put it away. I mean, I, I remember mm. him doing a lap in Spa like that against Vettel. Um, it might have been even when he was still with McLaren, he had the wrong number on his dash. 
And he thought he was seconds behind Vettel and just kept pushing and pushing and wound up just taking qualifying. It, it was just special. And sure enough, they got the problem sorted for Sunday. And he, he was never, it was, it was an easy day in the park for him Van relative G. to everybody else on that track. Sorry, Matt. Alex. You, just for a stat, out of the last 13 wet qualifying sessions, Lewis has taken pole on nine of them. That's many. And, and there hasn't actually been that many. The proportion of, of wet qualifying has been quite low as well. So, yeah, no, certainly impressive in, in, the, in the wet. It's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence anymore. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, Lewis Hamilton looking on absolutely fine form. And I think that Red Bull being, being up close, uh, as close as possible to Mercedes, is actually what Lewis Hamilton would want. Because on a disastrous race weekend for him, he, like last weekend, he can lose so much more if Bottas is unchallenged at the front. I think if the Red Bulls, if Verstappen is regularly challenging Bottas, then this is Hamilton's championship. The only way that Bottas uh, has a sniff is if the Red Bulls fall away. Alex? But Lewis's perform- um, Bottas's performance last week worried Lewis, which is why Lewis spent so much time at the track this week to make sure he got on top of it, which yeah. just shows when Lewis fully applies himself, I hate to say it because Ham Fosi, whatever, yeah. um, he is kind of unstoppable when he's like, oh, okay, I got beat. Uh, that's not happening again. And puts his foot there. It's interesting that nobody, I've not heard anybody in the media so far, uh, or online actually, attribute Leclerc's really bad weekend to him being distracted and going off having dinner parties... And going off having dinner party soirees, Kyle. Yeah, the uh, uh, good old uh, F1 and comment section's hypocrisy is rife of this one. Um, just imagine if Lewis had nipped back to Monaco for a quick party and got caught by the press, he would be absolutely hung, drawn and quartered for it. So there was not even a peep. I only heard of that. I I, I saw a headline, an article, and that is about, and I've heard you guys mention it on our WhatsApp chat. That's about it. I've heard nothing about it. Well, let's hope they can all keep their bubbles uh, in Hungary and beyond. Until it got mentioned in the chat just before we came on, mm. I know nothing about this really? story. No, no, nothing about this story. This, that, that's how under the radar this story is, because I can guarantee, as Kyle just said, if it was Hamilton, it would have been front page news. Can I have a yeah. little bit more scope on actually? I don't, I don't normally do visual things, but just for Van Jean's sake, I'm just going to point to this uh, black rectangular object that I have. Now, this is called um, a mobile phone. And it's um, you could it's not plugged in. You can take it with you anywhere and connect oh, right. to other servers with information. Very no, handy. definitely is that worth, new technology? It's worth investing in for us old. I, 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 don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth investing in. I don't uh, read news. I haven't got time for that. I've got two kids. Let's go down the grid a bit. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Lando Norris is making a massive fuss of himself, Kyle. Oh, my goodness. This lad, he's had a year to settle in. He's had eight months now uh, of iRacing, honing his skills, lurking and waiting in the background. And now it is just a little bit of a Lando Norris show in the midfield. He keeps popping up as well. Like when you think he's sunk, uh, makes a silly mistake in qualifying, gets a good penalty. And then come the last lap, he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm awesome. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, he seems to come alive for those last few laps, doesn't he? And he, he certainly seems to know when the cameras are on him, um, particularly on the racetrack. He goes for a very strong race from Lando, outperformed Science. Science was unlucky with having that delayed pit stop, but then he cooked his tyres. McLaren did the, exactly the right thing, and Science was gentlemanly about it, about swapping their drivers at the right time, and Lando's great at pushing later on in races. But this also leads into, yeah, what a great race from Lando, but where was, again, where's McLaren's pace for the first bit of the race? They were dropping backwards and they seem to be nowhere. And it's a bit like sort of last week. Um, yeah. They just come alive from mid-race distance onwards. What's going on there? So, Matt, you don't agree? Because I made that observation as well, that at the beginning of the race, they seem very vulnerable from behind. Yeah, but that's mostly because they're starting in like third place and they've got real cars <laughs> behind them, okay, not so, midfield. If yeah. you notice the first stint of the race, I think Ricardo managed to pass Sainz lap 30. And until then, he was in fifth place, rolling around at his own pace. So so I don't see it. I, yeah. I think hey, there well, are you, other teams that are better at the start. Well, hang on. You've just, you've just sort of proved your own point there, haven't you? That he did get passed by a Renault, who we don't think are up with them. And he got passed by a Renault, who was held up by his teammate for 17 laps. But we'll get to that later. Not held up by his teammate. We'll and get to Arena that later. on medium tires while Sainz was on the soft All tire. Right. So okay. this is this. So Sainz was in his pit window when this happened. And you would expect around a lot, 25 to 28, you'd expect the medium tire to really come into its own versus the soft at the latest. Alex, quickly before, because I know I've triggered his uh, his Ocon fanboyness. We'll get there, don't worry. So I, I can deal with that one as well. Um, no, Land, the, the McLaren definitely seems to struggle on higher fuel loads. David said this as well. Because for the first half of the race, L- um, Lando was in like 11th, 10th place. So I was actually really surprised to see him all of a sudden at the front because I think it's once that car loses a load of fuel, it comes alive. And I think it's, I think it's just got much better low fuel performance than it has high fuel performance. Yeah, I would completely agree. It's very much likely down to fuel load and or, you know, managing the tires until the car gets a little bit lighter because they probably their their big advantage is they're running an aero package. They really understand and it provides a very consistent platform for the driver so they can be super confident in how they can use it best. And that that is their genius. And this is why you see them coming good later in the races, I think. Kyle. 
I'll just come in. I think it's a uh, Roger Kulin. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. Has pointed out in the chat room that um, uh, science was having problems with his battery deployment. Apparently, which is the first I've heard of that. Yeah, first I've heard of that as well. But I'm not surprised if if Lando Norris increases his edge over Carlos Sainz, and I think it will be an edge. And I I I said last season I I bet heavily on Norris in this McLaren partnership. I said to Matt, to much to Matt's chagrin that signs needed to really take advantage of last season and, and get those wins in against Lando Norris. Well, he could, and it's worked because he's got himself a Ferrari drive. So well done, Carlos Sainz. But I think all things being equal this season, you've got a non-rookie Lando Norris, a non, uh, you know, a non-rookie means that he doesn't have to take uh, so many half measures. He's got less to prove. He is. He has been renewed. He is now a McLaren driver. He is the extant McLaren driver next season, and he feels like he can stretch his legs and go. And I think, as I predicted, we're going to see him stretch his legs over Carlos Sainz. Is there, is there anybody on this panel that thinks that's not the case, that can make the case for Sainz? Matt Trumpets, you've always been a bit of a, a Sainz apologist, actually. Well, he's got my number. How could I not be? But <laughs> regardless of that, he is a very mature and experienced driver. And we saw this is why he dominated last year so much over Norris. Norris might be quicker in qualifying, but certainly in the wet, it was signs that started in third place, not Norris. Yes. So I think it, I think in all aspects, it's a pretty equal ba- battle. I think they are better at different things. But overall, package wise right now, it's a pretty close run thing. Well, that's a bit fair and balanced, Kyle. I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> um, you might not like my comment then. Ah. I should say we're judging this on um, on one track. You know, we've had two races. It's one track. It might just, you know, play into Norris's hands here. So we might get to next weekend and it plays into Carlos's hands. I don't think there's an awful lot between them. Carlos is always, well, he calls himself a smooth operator or his um, team that <laughs> has always been very smooth. He might be able to look after tiles well, even though that didn't play out today. But um I don't think there's a lot to choose between them. I, yeah, as a as a an Englishman, I'd like to see um, I'd like to see Norris get the upper hand on science, but I'm a bit of a closet science fan as well, so I call it dead heat at the moment. <gasps> That's so nationalist. You're not you're not allowed to just support the driver from your own country. Oh no, hang on, it's not. Oh, Ham- sorry, it's not Hamilton. You're I support okay. both of them. No, it's okay. It's not Lewis Hamilton. It's it's completely fine again. And once he retires, it will be fine for the rest of time. I imagine. A, a quick comment in the chat room there from a vermins who says, Amish Apex hiring Disney villains, Kyle's beard looks worrying. Can't let that go without comment. I just, I want you guys in the chat room to know, or the video watchers who watch this back, Kyle doesn't know that it makes him look evil. He thinks he comes across as a kindly engineer when in fact he looks like someone who has committed crimes at least equal to murder. Uh, Van Jean, no, no answer from, from Kyle, no repost allowed. Um, for me, it's hashtag love Lando. I, I think the kid's brilliant. Um, I think in a racing situation, he has the edge over um, over Carlos. I think they're probably quite equal on race pace. And I think, well, especially in the last two last two situations, I think Lando is the better qualifier. Um, however, I think and, and I think Lando and George Russell are the cream of the crop coming through the coming through and they are the future of formula one. I think those two are the proper future champions and real deals coming through. 
DRS deeps in the chat room would also like to point out that if you go back to Sainz's time at Toro Rosso, he was more or less equal to Verstappen there to the point where it caused a problem in the garage between their papas, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think um, I think we will see at Ferrari that um, that Leclerc will have his handful hands full uh, with signs. It's just I just I get this sneaky feeling and it could be our British bias that Norris could come through and be something just um, just a little bit special. Now, then, let's uh, let's carry on down the midfield. Before we do so, I will bore you to tears by telling you that we are an independent podcast. What does that mean? It means we are not beholden to some gigantic corporation. We've not been bought out by some broadcasting conglomerate with nefarious purposes. We are, we are just us. It's me and Matt producing this show with our rotating panel, and we do what we can to keep it going. We put a lot of work into and effort into what we're doing. We can park and sacrifice time that would otherwise have to go to other things because we are a listener-supported podcast. So are we independent? Maybe I should stop saying that. Maybe I should say we are a listener-supported podcast because I know for a fact without the support of our patrons, other things would have overridden both me and Matt's schedule and we wouldn't have been able to commit to things in the future we're looking ahead to 2021 already because of our Patreon support. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. You've helped us survive. We'd now like to have a go at thriving and pushing forward. If you look in the iTunes charts, we were 92 uh, on Monday, 96 on Tuesday. We're up there mixing it with the big boys. We can't compete with the BBC podcast or Beyond the Grid or the official F1 stuff, uh, but we are on the tail of the likes of Autosport, WTF1. And we are far, far ahead uh, on all those iTunes ratings of uh, of any of the other independent podcasts. And I'm really, really proud of the listenership and of the um, of the community of patrons we've built up. Join our community of patrons, patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. Come and join us in our, our patron Slack forum. A lot of fun there. I genuinely spend more time there than any other forum. We do some patron-only content as well. You'll be invited first to any events we're doing, and you'll get that warm, fuzzy feeling of supporting an independent podcast, which I hope goes about things the right way. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. Join our army of supporters, and we would be forever grateful. Tell you what, Matt, that weren't scripted or nothing. That was off the cuff, that. No bullet points, very, nothing. Yeah, just rolled it off. Very impressive. Yeah, I know. Yep. Getting just, on. just pulled it right off the top of the old head. Getting all right at this. Right, let's go further down the field. Unfortunately, further down the field. And let's have a look at Racing Point. And I think this would actually be a good time to talk about the protest from Renault as well. But let's start off with that race achievement because I, I think that Racing Point Whatever you think about their chassis and how they got it, I think at the moment they are the first, they are the third fastest team. And Stroll on the post-race interviews was even kind of hinting, oh, we might be the second, we might be the second or third fastest team. It's not come together in the first two races, but that that pace is real, man. It's real. I would beg to differ. I think they are the third fastest car. 
Oh. But if we're looking at the evidence, uh. I think McLaren has to be rated right now the third fastest team. And it's a reasonable <laughs> point to make. It is a reasonable point to make. Kyle, um, counteract that with Hyperbole. Well, you could say that. I think um, McLaren Seidel, um, yeah, Seidel the McLaren team boss was saying that they just maximised their team is essentially better. But no, I, I don't agree with Stroll. I agree that Racing Point is probably the third fastest car. I think if they can actually get a steady normal race and they start in position and yes. not have loads of safety cars, I think we might see that play true. I'm expecting them to be definitely troubling Albon all the way through the rest of this year if Albon can't sort his act out. Yeah, no, I agree. Now let's address the address the driver issue because Alex has already come in with yeah. a cheeky punt that McLaren have the best driver lineup. And I, I'm never, ever going to argue that Stroll is up there with Norris or Sainz Kyle. But today, I will make the case that he had he had a pretty good race. Well, he has done for the last couple of races. He's, he's done a pretty solid, solid job. Um, um, I don't think we can slate him too much anymore. He is growing into a to a pretty solid driver. He's not making any glaring errors, and his pace isn't that far off of Perez. So, so yeah, we can't give him too much of a hard time, can we? I didn't want Stroll to get out of my sport today. No, no, yeah. Actually- yeah, thing is, Van Jean, you really like aggressive driving, and Stroll went for it. He absolutely went I, for I, it. In that battle at the end with Danny Rick and Lando, I was like, Stroll's having a fight. He doesn't have fights. And he really put up a battle. So to be fair, today, Stroll impressed me. Um, let's see what happens in the next race. But today, I will give Stroll a pass, <laughs> and I was happy to have him in Formula One today. Kyle. Some someone in the chat room just said, "Is solid good enough?" Well, solid oh. is very much good enough when it also brings thirty million dollars as well. Uh, yeah, so, well yes, well, <laughs> thing is, it was solid, but it was also aggressive. So he had his his teammate coming through clearly faster the whole race. Not denying that, but he held it for I think turn three, turn four, then into the the left handers of the infield as well, and 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 it showed the difference in skill because Perez was able to dispatch Ricardo. Perhaps Ricardo has a bit more respect. For, for Perez than Stroll. Stroll struggled and, and Ricardo really showed him his gearbox. A, a, a quite, quite late manoeuvres, quite narrow, aggressive defences. Yes, Stroll wasn't able to get past that, but he didn't give up, Matt. He fought all the way to the end of both those battles. And that is the most impressive racing we've seen from Lance Stroll. You know, and, and you know, before I, it sounds like I'm apologising for him too much. He's had an awful long time to get there with results that would have seen any other driver uh, ejected from the sport. Yeah, it's hard to argue that he's definitely coming from a place of a lot of privilege because of the money he brings. But he is not the only driver to walk onto the grid yeah. for that reason. And I would agree, his his performance today was definitely superior. Uh, Otmar, after the race, said that he's worked on his qualifying, which they've asked him to do. He did a better job in quali yesterday. And my only complaint was about his pass on Ricardo. And I got to be honest, I don't think I've seen a worse attempt at a pass since I was at my sixth grade dance. Kyle, too harsh? How how was that not penalized? He forced him clean (laughs) off the track and and caused chaos. Uh, Rosberg was penalized into that very corner a few years ago when it happened to Hamilton. Um, yeah, and we've seen other drivers penalised for just forcing someone. Lewis was back in 2007 at the Fuji Grand Prix, the Japanese Grand Prix, where he locked up, went wide, pushed, I think it was a teammate at the time, off the track and got penalised. So I was amazed that um, 
Stroll was not penalised for that. But fair play for giving it a go. Well, hang on, let's play a game. Whose fault is it? Yeah! Even though it wasn't like a collision, but it ended up with the car off the track, I will make the case for Stroll uh, that he got up the inside in time and just didn't turn until he got to the edge of the track. And there was lots of people cited that trumpets as the reason why Rosberg wasn't wrong in whatever it was, 1986, to, to defend against Hamilton. Yes, this wasn't defending, this was attacking. But I see Stroll, all he did was a, a block pass. And Ricardo, instead of backing out of it, drove off the track to avoid it. You, as the inside car, on entry, you, you can turn when you want. This is the problem. He turned, he turned, and the car just kept on going. He understeered <laughs> all the way off the track. That was uh, never a move. He was never going to make the turn and stay on the track. No. And that fundamentally <laughs> is why I said what I said about his pass. I mean, it was it was very awkward if you're being kind about it. No, no way, Carl. I'm not having that. 100% on purpose. <laughs> great move. Great block pass. No, that was a block torpedo, not a block pass. <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of just completely going in. That was proper full PlayStation. As someone's just pointed out again in the, uh, in, the chat. <laughs> in the chat, that was not on. No. Uh, okay. Look, fair, fair enough. But at least we're seeing, you know, an aggressive, racy side, Matt. And I know that we're lovely, loving talking about Lance doing a great job. Oh, but sorry, can yes. we talk about Perez? Oh, seventeen you know what? to no, what? No. Basically. <laughs> I don't think we should. should have been I, don't, fourth? I don't think we should talk. 17th to what should have been fourth? Okay, I mean, let's talk about it a lot. That was a drive. That was a drive. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. And it was really aggressive as well. I mean, even early on, you know, trying to get through the McLarens early on, it was aggressive. The tail end was coming out. You saw him faking down the inside to try and make a move, diving down to the outside and then kind of losing the back end. But you could see the real effort was there. And if nothing else about the racing point, it seems nimble and it definitely seems like a car you can go attacking. Yeah, because he got he got he got ambushed by signs coming out of the pits. Yeah. And then he went back around the outside of I think it was turn six, which was just a stupendous move, you know, and, and I know that due to the Ocon Perez battles in years past, not has has not always been my favorite driver, but my hat's off. It was an unbelievable drive from him today. And the potential of that car yeah. when and if they ever fully understand it is not to be understated so perez has in recent seasons found himself in a car where he is overperforming due to tire strategy which means a lot of the time he's doing a longer stint so he's finding himself being overtaken so he's finding himself having to hold people on uh, he's trying to stretch out to make like a two-stopper or one-stopper and then in the second stint again he's holding on but now kyle we're getting to see him in a situation where he has the car under him to be moving forward through the field. And I don't know, maybe he was just like, oh, I've got to overtake someone. Oh, I've not, not really done that for a while. And um, he was doing quite well until he completely fluffed it. Well, he didn't totally fluff it, but um, yeah. Oh, well, uh, hang on a minute. That sounds a... like a... Whose fault is it? <laughs> Aha! <laughs> I... right, um... now, if that's the place to start, I am totally putting that on Perez. Um, similar situation to, to Hamilton, except uh, it was Perez coming forward, but Albon was ahead. And if you look at this, I think the key difference in my mind between this and the Hamilton situation was they were a lot further out to the exit as well. Mm. I don't see what Albon could have done to avoid it in this case. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He seems to be always caught up on the outside there. Um, just before I place, place blame for the incident, um, Perez has finally got his car 
and is amazing. And he still has these mythical tire whispering skills. And now he has a car that he can really, really take full advantage of it on. He got those soft tires to lap 39 whilst fighting through the field. Yeah. And still looked after his tires. That That's amazing. And uh, on the incident, yeah, very similar to the Lewis um, Albon. In, it was a little bit clumsy. He just ran wide, racing, kind of a racing accident, but he put yeah. his front wing in there to get damaged. And I think he so admitted that as well, but uh, tyre whisperer. <laughs> okay, cool. I like that. Uh, you've, you've had a couple of zingers tonight, Kyle. Trumpet. Yeah, well, I, I just want to get in with, let's take a look at where Albon was in the corner this week versus last week. Yeah. He was even farther over yeah, yeah. and he was pretty far out yeah. to begin with. Yeah. So he definitely, I think, had learned from his previous encounter and was trying to leave even more room. I think it's just unfortunate Perez couldn't get the car fully rotated. And it was it, and it was I mean, it really was in the scheme of things. It was a minor thing. It was, I mean, fortunately, Alvin didn't suffer a puncture or else I think, you know, it, it would have been it would have been a penalty for sure for Perez. But it really did set up the end of the race as being super exciting. Van Jean. Uh, Perez is like the anti-Van Jean when it comes to race strategy. Shows a, a lot of patience. You know, he's happy to build his tactics throughout the course of a race. But you must have, you must have loved uh, that move on signs. And hearing him on the radio as well, you could, you could feel that satisfaction and the chipperness and the whole tone and mood of Perez this season. But, but specifically... You know, I think that move on signs showed some real racy raciness. I love any move that ends up someone overtaking around the outside. And that was just phenomenal. Just to go around, to go round and round there was just brilliant. Uh, and then he did up the inside the couple of laps later to his teammate, didn't he? So um, he obviously had turn six pretty much nailed. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate a good move like that. But it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing because... It's finally happened in 2020. Renault have laid down the law. They've put a protest in to approve once and for all that this is a cheating copy of the Mercedes car. They've put their protest in, Matt, and and this means that Racing Point are going to be finally, they're going to be discovered. They're going to be discovered for their audacious attempt to just carbon copy a car and it will be banned forever and Ricardo will gain a couple of places this race. Matt, what do you think prompted the team that would benefit most from Racing Point being disqualified from this race to file a formal protest today? I think it's just a random coincidence. It had nothing right. at all to do with the fact that Reno would benefit the most from having Racing Point disqualified from the race today. Of that course. was my well, instinct. I mean, Tell us about the protest. All right. So it, it's a very simple protest. Uh, Perez, on behalf of Perez, they've lodged a protest, a uh, breach of Article 2.1, 3.2, Appendix 6, Paragraph 1, 2A, and 2C of the Formula 1 sporting regulations during the race. And for those of you who don't have that committed to memory, in essence, it says uh, they have to retain the exclusive right to use listed parts. And in the case of a third party supply, it cannot come directly from a competitor. What's a listed part? Uh, Those parts, those are the parts that the team have to be responsible for making themselves. They have to either outright own the intellectual property or they have to design it and build it in-house. So I can outsource my whole car, as, as Haas does their chassis to Delara, but then only Delara can make Haas's chassis. Got it. No one else can then buy from them. So essentially yeah. what they are saying is that some information or design came from a third party uh, via a consultancy from Mercedes 
to them. Now, this would be the same route that Haas used with the Ferrari engineers, mm-hmm. but there's a big difference. Yeah. When Haas did it, they were not signatories to the agreement yet, and they were not bound by these rules. Racing Got Point it. absolutely is. And if it emerges at all that any of this information did come from Mercedes to Racing Point, uh, then they are in the deep stuff. Now, hang on. So if they have got any information from Mercedes because, say, I don't know, an ex-employee turns up at Racing Point, he's had his gardening leave, he turns up there and he goes, do you know what? I discovered this about the low-rake philosophy at Mercedes. The key is having a flat, flat circular nose and that unlocks all the potential. That would be fine. I think what we're talking about then is if they got their floor aerodynamics specifically from Mercedes. So someone has gone, uh, here's our design for the floor aero, and then Racing Point copied that. That would be a breach. But I don't think... Uh, in fact, Ranjin, you get in, and I'll, I'll try and lay out what I think are the battle lines for this debate. Well, no, I have a question for it. Would it be akin to Spygate? Uh, no, I, I don't think it would be. I think that's a... I, I don't want to go down that path because I think we'll be in... Uh, a lot of legalese, Matt. So I think what we're really looking at here is the is this phrase, to receive or supply consultancy or any other kind of services from uh, or okay. to another yeah. competitor directly or via an external entity or third party in relation to listed parts. So what they're saying is that either through a third party, now we know, uh, we know, we understand that it would not be a, uh, it would not be an unusual occurrence for a major sponsor of one team to ask about information and then casually pass it on to another team in the past. Yeah. That there are ways this information can flow between teams. Like, for example, from Red Bull to Toro Rosso. I'm not saying that happens specifically, but there are ways to get around this rule. And this would appear to be what Renault are alleging, that somewhere along the line, some information made it from Mercedes okay. illegally to Racing Point about this design. Okay, so that is very different to the Racing Point is a carbon copy or is just the same design as the W10, which was the 2019 Mercedes car. I don't think well, anyone is seriously suggesting anymore. I don't think there's any serious suggestion anymore that the W10 from last season blueprint simply landed at the Racing Point factory and they just copied it. So let's be clear. If this turns out to be true, that Mercedes and Racing Point illegally and knowingly, because it would have to be quite deliberate, broke the rules in order to give Racing Point an advantage, Matt, this would be one of the biggest scandals in, in Formula One in our, in our lifetimes. I will say that at this point, you can only say knowingly about Racing Point because Mercedes would not have control over ex-employees violating agreements that they had. So I I do want to be clear about that. I also want to be clear to the people who look at the tiny flicky parts and tell you which ones are different. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a copy of last year's car, but you are correct. That doesn't prove that they simply got the blueprints from a third party and copied it. Not at all. And so this is why the protest has happened. Kyle. Yeah, so we're saying that... um, because Mercedes would never go for this. Why, they've got nothing to yep, gain. Agreed. Why would they yeah. put themselves in that position? It's absolutely bonkers. So are we saying this 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 um, protest is about there could be an erroneous employee 
like a like a rogue employee again given the information yeah. or if they're both using a common third party to manufacture parts which a lot of f1 teams do force india of rock, uh, racing point have rocked up and gone oh we'll have a couple mm. of them just you know just like the mercedes and mercedes have given it the go-ahead because yeah with, with ndas and, and and commercial agreements they can't their parties can't do that so mercedes would have to give some sort of go-ahead and they they would never do anything like that so so i i think if we've got to be kind of gambling men and, and put ourselves on the line i think there's no way that that racing point is just a carbon copy of the the w10 i don't see how that works and i don't see them doing that when it's a explicitly against the rules and two they've got a whole aero department then just sitting there doing nothing like oh what did you achieve today jeff well i looked at the blueprints they're still exactly the same as our uh, meticulous plan to go against the ethos and spirit of our entire team for the last couple of decades and we're just going to out and out cheat that plan is that the plan boss is that the one you're asking me about yeah it's still fine i've had several cups of tea and some tequila that's how easy my aero job is right now but Matt, I think we are now talking about kind of the finer details. So it's clear they copied the concept. They've uh, they've agreed to that. They've said, yes, we copied the concept. But they've also claimed, and I think that's a claim, I only heard it on the telly, that the FIA have gone there with the designs of the W10 and the designs of the Racing Point and said, well, they're different. So they are different. So now we're talking about, did they get some part, some information? So I think we're very much into legal territory. And at that point, in that area, Matt, it could go either way. Like, I think, you know, would Renault have made that claim without sort of due cause, with, without suspicion, without someone, Kyle, in the background going, oh, look at the uh, look at the end plates. That's a very specific design, by the way. Um, again, and this all adds to the case that I think this whole thing is nonsense and should just be thrown out, because why would the FIA who have been consulted from day one on this process, yeah. they've been kept in the loop and have allowed it to happen, they wouldn't want to risk their reputation. And then suddenly they protest and get found out that they're allowing one team to copy another. That's going to be bad on them. Yeah. It's going to bring the sport into dispute. So, so I think this whole thing is nonsense. And just, yes, they've done it. You've, you've missed the trick. Get over your salt and let them have it. <laughs> just go with it. Interesting. I think, I think we can't really go any further without, you know, we're going blind anyway i don't think we can even speculate any further it will be fascinating if it turns out that racing point have illegally got hold of some parts and have copied them a it would be a big scandal b i would re i would be really disappointed as well because i've always loved that that outfit as force india they've punched above their weight they've been amazing and now just as they've got real investment and resources it turns out that they instead of working hard and uh, using their brain power they cheated, I would be very disappointed and surprised, to be frank. So if I had to hedge my bets, I'm going to hedge my bets on protests. Protest is unfounded. Racing Point copied Mercedes, spent time and money on that concept and developed their own car. But that's my bet. Happy to be proved wrong as ever. But that does bring us on to Renault. Now, Renault, Matt, with your favourite driver-ish, Ocon-ish favourite driver, I'd say he's your favourite driver. I know you sit on the fence. I think he's your favourite driver. They looked fast today. One of. One of. They looked fast today. The Renaults looked fast. They looked good. They looked like uh, a works team driving fast in Formula One. And that's what they are. That's what they should look like. And it was uh, glorious qualifying. Nice to see him doing better after his uh, return to the sport. I mean, he was out for a full year with no racing experience at all. So 
you know, qualifying fifth in your second <laughs> yeah. race back All is, right. well, I think that's a reasonable bar to be met to, to me. You know, I think they, Renault have to be happy the way he drove yesterday. And I think they have to be happy with the way he drove today. And aside from their cooling issue, aside from their cooling issue, which has now affected both cars in two consecutive races, I think they, they have to be feeling like they're on the right track here because it sure looked to me especially bearing in mind that Ricardo was on definitely the non-optimal tire strategy, okay. that, that they are going to be proper players at the very front of the midfield. And if Racing Point can think about challenging yeah. Albon, then I think Renault are, are in that same general place. That sounded all very reasonable. To solve that, let's release the Van Jean. Um So I think Ocon did do well today. However, However. either... Here we go. However, here we go. It's coming. <laughs> either Renault screwed up or um, Ocon is very much preparing for not letting Fernando Alonso have his <laughs> way next year. Um, because Ricardo was catching um, Ocon on the medium tire. Medium tire? Hard tire? Medium tire for medium Ricardo. Tire. Soft was catching, tire was, was for catching on the medium tire. Um, um, was catching at a rate of knots and then stopped as he got close to him, but was battling quite hard. My opinion, Renault should have gone, the other driver is on a different strategy. Let him go so he can get ahead and get away. Like McLaren what did. Actually ins- like McLaren did. What actually ensued was four or five laps of them two fighting, Madness. probably lost four or five seconds to the cars in front, which in turn cost Daniel Ricciardo fourth in the race. Because if he hadn't been involved in that fight, he wouldn't have got picked off by Lando, he wouldn't have got picked off by Stroll, and he would have taken Perez at the line because of Perez's issues. Um, yeah, I totally agree. They should they should have moved moved Ocon on over. Like Ricardo come on fairly quickly and said, I've got more pace here. He wasn't asking to put it through. He was just letting them know, I've got more pace here, and you're on a split strategy. They, they, they could have swapped them later on. It's not about maximizing your result for your individual drivers. It's about maximizing your result for the team. And their best bet at that, moment, at that time was letting Ricardo go. And Alex rightfully points out they lost five or six seconds in that, which they really didn't want or need to lose. Um, yeah, because until next year, they worry about the team, and then next year they can worry about Fernando. <laughs> Trumpets. Now, you don't think Ocon should have moved over because you're a massive Ocon fanboy. I mean, because no, that's your opinion. I think, I think uh, I'm happy to let everybody be wrong on this one, <laughs> and, I'm, and me to be correct. I have no problem with this, but I'll, I'll lay it out for you. First of all, once, once Ricardo got past Ocon, you're right. That free track in front of Ocon just let Ricardo sail off. He put 10 seconds on. Oh, wait. No, he didn't. That because he'd wrecked because his Because Sainz tires. was there and it took him 12 laps to get by. And by that point, Ocon had already pitted and they'd had to retire the car. Because... Ocon lost no time behind uh... Ricardo. So all your damages are imaginary all up in your head and stuff. Second of all, wait, wait, if wait, I'm a Renault got, strategist... On, we've got to answer that point first. We've got to answer that point first. Clearly, Ricardo, four laps behind Ocon, he's damaging his tyres and that's hurt him overall. And it was never his strategy on the mediums to go hammer and tongs, Ricardo's that is. His strategy would have been put in solid lap times and build a tyre advantage for the second stint. He was unable to do that because of the belligerent Esteban Ocon. He's triggered by I'm that. a Renault strategist, which, hello, I need a job. So give me a shot uh, if you're looking for people. 
No, if I'm a Renault strategist, here's what I wanted to see. Yes. I wanted to see Ocon, who was a second-ish behind signs, where he was. I want Ricardo behind him, conserving his tires, conserving his engine modes for later in the race. And then what I want to do is pit Ocon out of the way, let Ricardo go past, which undercuts signs, and then signs has got to make the choice, do I cover Ocon or do I cover Ricardo? He covers Ricardo, Ricardo's got the tires and the engine modes, he's right by him with better tires and can go longer. And if he covers the undercut, Ricardo now has a big free gap to drive into. And then I pit Ricardo onto the soft tires, put him in front of Ocon. And now I have my two cars, both in front of the McLarens, running stem astern, ready to go after Albon and protected okay. my front runner from behind. That was what they wanted to have happen. Now, Van Jean, come on, counter that. And they still have the issue or they've lost time, therefore they are still in the fight at that end of the race between Stroll and Lando and aren't fighting for fourth place. I'm sorry, but no, they're not. The reason that that fight even happened was because the Renault was dreadful on the soft tires with light tanks. And if you'd had Ocon there on the medium and better tire, what would have happened was the same thing that we saw with Ricardo and Ocon. They would have, Ocon would have passed Ricardo. And then Ricardo would have been the defender to Ocon going after Albon. Either way, it works out for Renault to have the two cars together on track in positions five and six. Now, where you're taking, where I take exception with you <laughs> is you're talking about all this imaginary lost time, but none of that lost time exists if Ricardo can't pass signs and it took him 12 laps to do it. So I'm arguing that that's a fictionary thing in your head. Yeah, yeah, it took him 12 laps to do it with damaged tyres from following Ocon. Uh, Van Jean. With, with The thing is, is, with that reverse strategy you talk about where Ricardo would have would not have been as good on the softs, then, then once Ocon has caught up and made up the lost time, he then catches up and then Daniel lets him back past to then complete the strategy. There was no need to hold... The, the, never in any strategy do you hold up your teammate on an alternate strategy. You let them go if they're quicker, which at the point he was and then lost out. I tell you what, I am loving the fact that we have so much passion and commitment on our panel uh, to drivers all throughout the midfield. So, uh, you know, I, I think that this is going to be a long, it's going to be a long season debate wise. It seems like this season we have so much more to argue about. Quick points from Matt and, uh, and Alex. And then we're going to move on to the podium section. Let's start with Van Jean. Small point. Regardless of the opinions in this particular argument, what an awesome battle it was to watch between oh, yeah. the two of them. Yeah. Ocon has absolute form on it of being a really feisty driver and you got Danny Rick. Absolute brilliant four laps, regardless of whether it destroyed their strategy or not. Matt. So with regards to the tyre comment, I actually went back and watched the onboards. They asked Ricardo about his tires and he goes, oh, I might have a little degradation on the fronts, but it's all fine. That was after he got round Ocon. And second of all, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a team boss, what are your choices? Hold station, swap places, or you guys can race. And yeah. it seems like to me an awful lot of people who are saying Ocon should have immediately let him by are the same sorts of people who are crying when it seems like Mercedes have restricted Hamilton's engine modes yeah. and tire choice, and therefore he won't have a fair chance to pass both us. I mean, what do you guys really want here? Okay. As it was, watching from the cameras, it looked to be a pretty fair, hard but fair, nobody took any stupid chances, yeah. fight, and it was exciting to watch. 
True. Okay, so I think that at Mercedes there is a understood number one, number two situation. In the teams where that's not quite so clear, uh, Racing Point and McLaren, today they both took the option to allow one driver past the other, Kyle, and I think you can argue that they fared better. However, it is a big call to get on the radio and say, Ocon let Ricardo pass. It's a big shout, so I can understand why they'd be reluctant. Yeah, it's a big shout, but also they're in different races. Mercedes have maybe the comfort of being at the front to have the um, one and two, and arguably it's a bigger call. But in the midfield, when you're fighting two or three other teams, and it's so important for these teams, I think they have more of a right to use the team order. Not that any of the teams need a right, they have the right to do it, but they need to use the team orders to maximise the benefit of the team because it is so much tighter in the midfield. So if anybody was going to use the team orders, I think the midfield teams need to use them. My efforts to move to the podium section are forlorn. I shall sit here, enjoy a sip of my beverage as Trumpets and Van Jean continue. No, actually, since we're talking about successful using orders, we cannot fail to mention Haas, which swapped drivers three or four times to finish in 12th and 13th place. Now, some may say that's just because between them, they only have one functioning car. However, I will say they definitely got the most out of their package today. And congratulations on a double finish, fairly high up in the order, given what they have to work with currently. Haas, was that the predominantly white car or the predominantly white car? Oh, no, 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 sorry. It was the predominantly predominantly white car. Right, okay, yeah. Banjean. Did I imagine seeing Grosjean either at least locking up multiple times and off the road several times today, though? Did I imagine that? So nope, sure it wasn't off, the tra- off, off, the, off a lot. But it could have sure, also, it could have been, cars. yeah, it could have been Magnussen, <laughs> Kvyat, Gasly, Latifi, Williams. or Russell. So it could have been any one of those. So you probably attributed all their lockups uh, just to I, I do like to blame Grosjean for everyone going off the circuit, to be fair. Let's go off the end of this podcast, Pierre, with the podium, <laughs> which, which I haven't faded up. Here we go. Yes, it's always a good idea to change your soundboard hardware just before a show. But we have enjoyed two great back-to-back Grand Prix in Austria. The Austrian Grand Prix and the inaugural Styrian Grand Prix. And one had action uh, and drama all the way through. One, this one, I think was a bit more of a traditional F1 race. We saw strategy unfold. We should remember as Formula One fans that not all racing takes place as the cars are overtaking. Sometimes the racing is strategic and sometimes the racing is closing down gaps. Sometimes the racing is putting yourself in a right position, worrying about your tyres. Sometimes it is about harassing and harrying a team into making a wrong decision. Or as Hamilton does on occasion when he's not in in the lead, sitting 0.6 seconds behind someone, trying to force them into a mistake or to wear out their tyres. We shouldn't get impatient if there is a a brief period where the cars aren't three abreast through every corner. Today was as good a racing as you see in a standard Formula One race. And I think on top of that, as a bonus, we also got the drama of qualifying. We got the Ferraris, uh, (laughs) the Ferrari incident causing us, you know, a bit of excitement and drama and a safety car as well at the beginning of the race. Amazing battles throughout the weekend. Tell me. You did not enjoy Stroll, Ricardo, and Norris fighting out at the end. Tell me you didn't enjoy the racing points, fighting wheel to wheel. You didn't enjoy Perez coming up from 17th 
an awesome battle. Yes, today, Lewis Hamilton found himself supreme out the front. But as somebody who did not enjoy for a single second Sebastian Vettel's domination in 2011 and 2013, I do hand on heart say that I enjoyed the 2013 season. If you can focus and enjoy the battles, do so. It was hard. I mean, you know I follow Perez. And uh, what we were having to do is look at the wide helicopter shots sometimes and go, oh, look, there he is. He's at the back. He's making a move on a McLaren. I know it's a little bit harder, but I, I think the TV direction is going to show us this best of the rest battle, which is from fourth back. So uh, I love this race. I really enjoyed it. I noticed a few people being negative about it. So I just wanted to counterbalance that and say, as someone who's been watching the Grand Prix since 19... <laughs> I really, really enjoyed uh, this race. And look at the gaps. Historically, the gaps now are closer than they've been at any time in Formula One. 1.2 seconds qualifying lead wouldn't have been a massive surprise two or three decades ago. Whereas now, it's phenomenal. I think F1's in a great state. I think we've got plans to fix the things that people don't like in the future as well. And uh, we couldn't have hoped for a better start to the season. But now it's time for some awards. Now, don't worry. It's going to start off a bit positive, but we, we scrap that pretty quickly when we go to our other awards. So the first award is the thing of the weekend. What thing of the weekend stood out for you, Evil Kyle Power? Um, I'm gonna, I've got the easy one because I'm pretty sure I'm going to do the one that everyone wants. And my thing of the weekend was the uh, Dalek podium robot things <laughs> yes yeah they, they, there <laughs> big was a fan pic- of that there was a picture where they showed what they were and they're basically large remote control cars with lightweight mm. kind of i guess balsa wood frames and it's a really innovative solution to handing out the trophies just have these little things go mm. but those of you who live in and around milton Keynes will be used to the delivery services in milton Keynes where they have robots you know go along from a depot and you can get a robot come and deliver you your thing. I don't know which company is that. I'm not sure which company it is. It's not Amazon, is it? But you can get a robot. DHL. Is it DHL? So you can get a robot in Milton Keynes, just come and meet you wherever you are, and it'll go, and you open up the thing, and it's, and it's your package. So it's kind of like that. Sorry, I thought you meant the robots for the podium. Those oh, were they were DHL. Robots, right, okay. Yeah, in Milton Keynes, yeah. I, I, don't know which, I don't know which company it is that runs them. I'm sure someone will tell us in the live chat. But yeah, you're right. Uh, it was kind of cool. I don't mind it. Let's do in- innovative things on the podium, like Lewis Hamilton emerging from the, from the bottom in a lift at Mexico. Don't mind stuff like that at all. Matt, two rumpets. Who was your thing of the weekend? It had to be the last two laps of Lando Norris. Oh my <laughs> yeah, goodness. Geez. How, how could you, how could you, I mean, yes, I could go for the Haas thing or I could go for a million other things. Cause there was so much amazing stuff to talk about. But when it came to actually watching the race and being there, those last laps with Norris chasing everybody down and then catching Perez just before the last turn. Uh, that's why you turn the TV on to see stuff like that. Very hard to argue with that. Alex Van Jean. Who gets your thing of the weekend award? It can be a person, a team, uh, an ethereal concept. It's up to you. Well, Matt nicked mine. So I'm going to have to return to form for me, which is I'm going to have to put my ham fosi hat on and just say that, 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 that. I mean, I can't say it on here because it was rather explicit, but my Twitter post was take a 
bow Lewis Hamilton because that lap was just phenomenal. I've watched it on board about three times. <laughs> it was just out of this world, and and I can't, you can't beat that. Excellent. And I'm going to give my thing of the weekend award. It's a joint award. I'm going to give it to Mercedes, McLaren, Red Bull, uh, Racing Point, Ferrari, and Renault for not being predominantly white and making it so, I don't know, we know which car the camera's pointing at. Don't think that's too much to ask. Not too late, I don't think, to change that livery. All right, here's where Mist Apex goes dark. It's Mist Apex after hours, and it's time to assign a bad thing. It's the Bad Thing Award. Who missed the apex for you, Carl Power? Ferrari. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. That's just a generalised sweeping easy Wait, wait, hang on a minute. Um, wait a minute. What What are you giving them the Missed Apex Award for? Is it for wiping each other out in the race, doing abysmally throughout practice, being nowhere in the wet qualifying, or not being able to test their upgrades? Um, yes, <laughs> all of them collectively, as the excrement showed, that their their twenty twenties turny turned into. Excellent. Well, that's the um, that's the low hanging fruit. What about you, Matt? <laughs> Trumpets. Uh, I was busy looking up another funny comment about about that that one of our Slack viewers made <laughs> that that the robots post race actually ran further than the Ferrari cars did in the race. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe we don't know. But but who who missed the apex? And, and after such a good qualifying, uh, George Russell and Williams, no doubt oh, about it. Oh, yeah. Does anyone know what happened to him? Uh, it was something to do with Magnussen. Did he just get run wide? Did anyone catch it? I never saw a replay. Uh, Van Gene? Uh, I think K-Mag went down the inside of him into turn five, and then in trying to be very optimistic to get him back at turn six, he ran off the track. Um, do you know what? I think that's actually the first proper mistake we've seen from um, from Russell since he joined Formula One. I don't think we've seen him actually make any errors. Ah, but so we've also not seen him tested that. in the midfield in Formula One, really. So he's kind of lost out 100% of the times we've seen him in that position. Mm, maybe. He got a bit of a nosebleed being a bit higher, maybe. Yeah. Matt? I mean, he was complaining post-race that Williams has done better in qualifying, but they apparently have a lot to learn about getting the race set up correct. Okay. And if you look at where Williams finished, then... Maybe he has a point. Uh, Darren suggests in the chat room that he might be lightheaded and have a nosebleed from being so high up the grid. But look, that's a positive step. If Williams can be not consistently last on the grid, I think I would take that as a as a historically a, a Williams fan. Who missed the apex for me? In fact, if we had Van Jeans, well, let's have yours first, Alex. Um, for me, it's got to be Albon. I don't think anyone was as far behind their teammate yeah. this weekend as it's Albon bad. was. Um you know, I like the kid. I think he's 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 shown that he's hard, aggressive, and 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 has no fear up against six-time world champions. But you can't be that far from your teammate, even if your teammate is Max Verstappen. And I'll caveat that by saying we've detailed in the show several reasons why that could be, and we alluded to the setup. We alluded it to to being a we alluded it to it being a very Max-dominated team and perhaps a Max-dominated setup. So. Some caveats, but you, yeah, you really shouldn't be that far back. Uh, I think I will give my missed apex award to whoever decided to do the qualifying interviews next to what I assume was an F thirty five with its turbo blasters pointed directly and independently at all the mics. 
Uh, that was a bad decision. Interviewing in this COVID masked state is hard enough. Let's just uh, let's just think those things through a little. Fungi. Um I, ha- I have one more sort of bad thing, which bad was thing. the national, whatever that national anthem was before the race. What was that? I missed it. Tell me about it. Was it was it was it the national anthem or was it just some weird song? Was it bagpipes or an accordion? I don't know. My ears hurt. I definitely didn't pay didn't pay too much attention to that. But I know Kyle lost his mind and is right now. So yeah, it it made me feel physically ill. Uh, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to stop. We need to stop. We've just been informed that it is the regional anthem, and I know nothing of that area. So was like that the Styrian anthem? If so. We apologise for any offence caused. It was more the way it was sung rather than what was being sung. And and if you are a relative of the performers or the performers (laughs) themselves, we apologise on behalf of Miss Apex. But again... I don't apologise. Stop performing, your rubbish. Mostly Kyle. Uh, Alex (laughs) Vangine does not represent Miss Apex podcast and uh, I will edit that out. Uh, at the end, uh, yeah, I missed all the the, the posts, the post race build up. Uh, the sorry, the pre race build up. Uh, I gather that some some people were upset as well about the direction cutting away from a certain important thing to a, a relatively unimportant thing. But since we're an hour and fifty minutes into our one hour show, we shan't dwell on that. There's two awards left. There's the pony award. A very little ponying, I think, on the radio. Do you think perhaps they're guarding the driver's radio transmissions a little bit? There wasn't too much moaning. I think for Verstappen, but it was quite funny. But, you know, they said, you know, uh, oh, both Mercedes have been told to push. All right. Well, what do you want me to do about it? Hilarious. Uh, but the closest we have to a pony, I think. I'm not sure if it was a pony, but Lewis Hamilton telling Bono to shut up during qualifying oh yeah saying that he's got to say that he's got this i'm on it man he says he says i'm on it leave yeah leave me alone i'm on it i think he said to be fair i, I can completely relate to that sentiment when you're trying to concentrate at that level this is sort of like okay yeah but you know that's the way these things go no i'm going to call out sky a tiny bit for their oh my goodness ocon should just move over and let ricardo through Winch fest because he should have Jesus let not it go, because man. he should or shouldn't have no I'm not going to let it such a fanboy because because why should unless the team ask him to why should Ocon just give up the spot and ruin his own race <laughs> instead we got to see three or four laps of really good racing which is what they're supposed to be there to comment on in the first place so you know and even if they make the point it seems like they should let him through. They went back to it at the end of the race as well. And I just, like, you, I think there's some Ocon hate going on. Did you just back. find a way to just, I don't re- get it. You found a way to reignite the segment from about five segments ago. And Van Jean apparently is about to weigh in more. Go on. Forget my plan. You're on mute, thankfully. So I might be spared somewhat. Just for clarity, I don't blame Ocon. I blame Renault. Yeah. Just so you know. I still Fair like enough. Ocon. It's definitely Renault's fault, not Ocon's fault. Yeah, no, no. That was, that was where I was coming from as well. But how feverishly partisan you are towards Ocon is nearly enough for me to stick a Ricardo fan flag in the in the ground this season. I might invest. And and if uh if I do do that, just to warn you as listeners, I don't want to hear any, oh but you said that Ricardo was secretly evil. All of that past will be erased. We have always been at war with Ocon. 
I'm a Ricardo fan. Always have been. That's why I can't wait for next year. Lando and Lando, Lando and Danny Rick in the same team. I can't wait for that. Trumpets is all like, I knew I hated you. I knew. I knew there was something about it. Okay, good. We've got one award left, and that is to our fantastic chat room. And it is the comment of the week. Comment of the week. It's a bit redundant, me saying comment of the week and then pressing the button where talented people then said and played comment of the week. That was a fail. But who hasn't failed? with their amusing chat room comments, Matt. Well, loads of people haven't failed, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention the super chat comment. Yes, thank you. Briefly, Weasley, Chase145, Bob Fry, Reagan DaCosta, Firma Dorada, thank you all for your donations. Did you see, if you're listening, Spanner's face when I said I would be remiss? I thought it was you... just something, because I'm not getting into the compliments this week as... As has been asked, I would be remiss I if I, chat. I would be remiss if I didn't give you one thousand of my top comments this week. Uh, no, uh, thank you very much to the people who donated in super chat. I, that always blows me away. I hope you enjoy the live experience that we put on here. When we had a show without the live chat, it wasn't the same. I fought tooth and nail to get you guys back, and you only missed uh, ten minutes. But you are definitely the the fifth panelist. We love and appreciate you being here almost as much as we love and appreciate our patrons, patreon.com forward slash Mr. Apex. Or if you just want to buy us a pint, you can specify the panelist you want to uh, to have a pint. Not not Kyle, not Kyle, okay? We try and keep, no, he, get, he gets angry. Me. He gets evil, Me. right? So not Kyle. But you can go to Mr. Apex Podcast, Mr. Apex Podcast.com forward slash tip jar. You can pick a, uh, a one-off donation there and you can leave a note telling us who it, who that is for but i would i would say i'm i'm the best one you probably want to give that to me kyle gets fighty if you uh if you give it to him matt who are the contenders for comment of the week kyle you know you don't get right of reply there's no point like moving to speak come on matt come on comments i'm fine i can't believe you didn't go with trumpets would just fall asleep but okay whatever <laughs> oh yeah that was so obvious as well he's super old don't waste it on trumpets that's not true though because when we do go drinking, you drink till about <laughs> eight o'clock in the morning. So much so that you caused Matthew Summerfield, oh, I'm telling tales, aren't I? To sit in a yeah. car park all morning with a hangover. You broke our summers. That's our only summers F1. Go on, Carl. Indeed. And then come back to mine. And we had an equally late night of all night drinking. And then was up at like six in the morning again. And I'm I like fall down the stairs half asleep and he's like right we're going like what we're doing today and i'm just yeah yeah and i'm there trying to organize a a terrible terrible drunk (laughs) i'm trying to organize a live podcast i'm going right come on everybody and there's this just collective groan from the missed apex panel in the hotel comment of the week geez matt we'll never get there uh sorry okay so on to our actual competitors this week helios 12. For all those seasons Haas took Ferrari engines, it was great to finally see Ferrari taking something from Haas playbook today. Oh gosh, that is so severe. Okay, this won't necessarily be just a Ferrari kicking, but let's see what the rest of the comments are. Little Big Cat, when will we be when will we be able to buy eau de trumpets, a vitalizing fragrance for tired men? As in like car tire spelled. That is a proper mucky comment that. You should have a word with the puntasticness of that comment. Have a word with yourself. Who's next? Our friend John McClintock. For us Americans, that's 430,733 hogsheads per fortnight regarding the amount of water cleared by a Pirelli tire on a track. Ah, accurate. 
Martin Winyance is in with Vettel data on rear wing strength are valuable, taking exception with our slack slagging off of their sad effort today. Um, Maria Rossi is in with Ferrari did finish the race first. And thank you very much. I think she may have a point. Oh, my God. That's true. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. That is like literally the smartest contender for comment of the week we've ever had. Uh, Bunker Monk is in with Matteo Kart, a la Mario Kart. Mm. And on to a couple more. We have, uh, we have DJ Opton, Leclerc, Shaw, a Schrodinger's Gap. The moment you observe it, it's both there and both your teammate. <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't there. It, it, was not it wasn't choices. really there. Uh, Lydia Cruz has a tip, a hot tip for Kyle Power. If you're going to commit a crime, avoid memorable facial hair. Mm, <laughs> yes. Like, there's no way that Kyle Power hasn't committed a large amount of crimes. Uh, is that it, Matt? Because I think we have a winner. Um, yeah, you know, let's just call it there. Read the comment again. It's Maria's. Which one was it? Uh, Maria Rossi. Ferrari did finish the race first. Congratulations. You've won this week's Comment of the week. Comment of the week. Thanks for tuning in to Missed Apex Podcast. We love doing these race reviews. If you don't do anything to support us today, then at least tell a couple of friends that when you've finished watching a race, you look forward to tuning into the live stream or downloading Missed Apex Podcast. Help us shout loud because we have no idea how to do promo social media or pr follow our panel kyle power at kyle power f1 alex is at alex van gene v-a-n-g-e-e-n he's nearly a thousand help him get over the line follow matt at matt pt 55 me at spanners ready and the show at mr apex f1 until we see you next be brave because wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever this was mr apex the time flies by with you guys i really enjoyed that panel thank you so much for hanging out with me for a race review i remember the old days matt when we used to we used to wait till Wednesday to record a race review. And like, even especially with the double headers, no one cares what you've got to say about the race on Wednesday. And I was so bad at editing and we were so bad at putting the show together that it would often come out on a Friday. So we'd have like the last week's race review. I know Van Jean's looking at us like that's pointless. And it kind of was. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.